This is Two Nerds in a Joke with Robert and Ernie. Thanks, disembodied hot girl voice. This is Two Nerds in a Joke with Robert and Ernie. I am always Ernie. And he is not Robert, which I always am. And today, Ernie, we have one of our favorites back when oh. it comes to critiquing things in a thorough manner. Oh, yeah. Top of the list. Top of the list. Top of the list. I, I think we said last time when uh, Jordan Peterson joined us on our last podcast, we literally said at the end of it, I feel that we've learned so much today about film yeah. that we never would have considered before. Um, and Jordan, it's got to be weird for you now that everything has gone so uh, so virtual and so much non-physical because I think a big part of going to see the movies is that in person theater experience if i remember you talked about that a lot in the last one so what do you do now how do you compensate for that in your personal life and of course your professional uh life as well oh i just cry a lot (laughs) (laughs) refuse to accept reality yeah yeah Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of denial a lot of grief (laughs) yes Um, i am uh yeah no it's 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 really tough i i don't um you know i it's it's i don't i don't talk about it that often because i feel a little i feel a little foolish you know there are so many people in the world i mean just an un really an, an unfathomable number of people are suffering so much more than i am um and from such serious problems right now that it seems it seems absurdly trivial to complain about not being able to go to see a movie in a theater um but the truth is that like uh, uh, for me personally um you know, if, if everybody has sort of their own personal thing that they feel the most in terms of loss um, at this time where everyone is suffering at least something, uh, for me, that's, you know, the, clo- the closure of theaters um, has been, it's been really tough. I, I you know, I, because of, uh, you know, Nerd Critic, my podcast, um, I've been going to see at least a movie a week in the theater for the past couple of years and before that you know I, I would never go more than a month without going to the theater and so it, you know it's a major major part of my life and so having it just sort of abruptly stop I mean I, I started going through withdrawals like almost immediately <laughs> wow and uh and it's just yeah it's it's a it's a sort of emotional and painful kind of reality um and I'm I, you know I'm really looking forward to when you know theaters reopen hoping that they eventually do um but also you know i'm aware that like getting back to some semblance of normal is going to take a really long time so that's you know just something that i i definitely haven't fully uh accepted or realized it yet i'm just still in that sort of you know trying to uh figure out what's what's happening (laughs) anyway yeah it's been hard for a lot of people because it's not just about um what is going on in the global world, as you said, just everybody else is suffering, but then it's also the personal suffering that, again, you don't want to talk about too much because, like, look, comparatively speaking, right, it's not that big a deal, but, you know, um, it, it's definitely yeah. something you want to like, think about how that's going to affect you and affect your fans and what does the post-drama of this look like? Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, and the, the people, the people who are truly suffering right now um, are the people who, uh, whose livelihoods depend on this industry. Um, and so the, you know, and I'm not, I'm not even talking about like uh, the, you know, the executives of studios, I'm talking about like the, the boom operators and the grips and the, you know, the, the, the camera operators and the craft services people. And, you know, 
I mean, this is just one, one of many, many, many industries that has been suffering and the people, the people sort of on the bottom of the food chain, the people who are just like, who just work these day jobs and work uh, sort of as gig to gig waiting for the next project to come along. Um, you know, all of them are unemployed now. Uh, and that's, you know, it's, I, I don't imagine that this is what you wanted to talk about, but, <laughs> but this is definitely something that's been, <laughs> that's been on my mind and on lots of people's minds. I mean, I, I live in Los Angeles. This is very, very, very close to home, literally and figuratively. Um, and uh, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm really desperate for things to get back to, uh, you know, for, for things to sort of start up again at some point, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later, but we'll see. No, yeah. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about and get your thoughts, because it's been a while since we last spoke, um, what I've noticed, and this is just me just looking at it, because I myself like to go to the movies themselves, like, like you try to go at least once a week. I'm in one of those movie clubs. But what I've noticed is that whenever they open up a new like cinema or new theater, it seems to be what they're trying to create is a more uh, intimate experience, so to speak. So like you're finding the theaters to be fewer seats, like big lounge chairs or recliners, things like that, but maybe a total of like 18 to 20 seats in one screen, maybe have four screens. Whereas previously it was like, you know, huge, you know, you know, theaters where like hundreds could sit in there. Do you think that maybe with this, with the, what's been going on now that people may start leaning more towards that type of experience? Man, it's impossible to say. I, I think um, I, I've been, this is, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to sort of come at your question from a different angle. Um, I've been trying to think like, yeah, what, how are people going to respond when, when they can go back to the theater? And I, a lot of it will depend on the, um, the sort of the, the media atmosphere at the time. So when theaters reopen, it, you know, it'll depend on how fearful people are of a contagion, right? Um, and if people are still fairly fearful, then it'll be a very, very slow kind of grinding, getting back, getting people to go back to public spaces. But if the media environment um, kind of, if, if a lot of that fear ends up being displaced or, um, you know, mollified, then people could end up really enthusiastically you know, showing up in much larger numbers than they were before. Um, I think that definitely there's going to be a widespread, and there already is a widespread craving for social interaction. And I think that um, it's it's possible, likely, that sometime in the foreseeable future, the um, places like theaters will will see much much greater business than they were seeing before the, the coronavirus crisis. So, yeah, I mean, I think. Um, you know, theaters have been struggling with um, f figuring out the the right revenue models for a long time, um, and you know that I think in the long run that'll continue. Um, you know, it's tough when people's home theaters are are really sophisticated and comfortable and wonderful, and you can watch whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, with whatever you want, with whoever you want. You know, for free, you already have all the equipment. Like, it's really, really, really tough to compete with that for content. But so, so that I mean, to me, that that really sort of emphasizes the need for a communal experience. I I would I mean I don't know I to the short answer to your question is I have no idea. Um, things may change, things may not change, um, things may change the other direction. Theaters may find that people want to have m more people around them watching movies because, uh, you know, they're recognizing that that's what that experience is for. I think a lot of, like what you're talking about, the lounge chairs and the, 
more personalized experiences. These, this has been an effort by theaters to m mimic the home theater experience in some ways to compete with home theaters. And which I think is, it's fine in some cases, like I like, I love reclining seats, like, you know, sign me up. I love being able to bring food in. That's great. But like, um, that's not why I'm going to the theater. You know, if I really wanted a home theater experience, I would stay home. <laughs> so um, I think that, uh, I think that hopefully um, the theater, the theaters that survive this, um, will try, will not try to compete in a space that they, that they really can't compete with and instead sort of more, more aggressively and enthusiastically offer the thing that, you know, other, other forms can't offer, you know, like being able to sit down with a bunch of strangers and watch a movie is a really special experience. And I, you know, I don't think that it's going to die ever. Um, I, I hope to, that it sees a revival when it can. Well, the part, the, the follow-up that I, that I had, like the part two was kind of like, like you were saying that experience that people get, like I was able to see the, the rise of Skywalker, like an advanced screening in a smaller theater. Right. Mm -hmm. And everybody in that theater was a quote unquote Star Wars fan. Right. Sure. So it's a completely different experience than when I went to another theater to see it again. And there was just a mix of people and you felt like, the crowd wasn't as into it as it was in the smaller theater. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think um, th there's, there's certainly, but that, you know, that, that, that has less to do with the size of the theater and much more to do with just the demographic of the audience, um, which, you know, you, you could have, you could have a, a theater of 700 people who are all diehard Star Wars fans, um, or you could have a theater full of 20 people who were you know you know hit or miss star wars fans so i think it really it doesn't that that's not as much a function of theater size as it is um as it is the the just the demographic of, of the audience which is gonna which is bound to change i mean it's really so i mean for instance it's really interesting to go see a kids movie in the morning on saturday versus like on friday night you know if you go on friday night you're with a whole bunch of young adults on dates and you know it's 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 a totally different experience than on saturday morning when you've got like a bunch of noisy enthusiastic kids who are like screaming their heads off like laughing at like stupid jokes you know it's a really really different experience so i, I think you know that that's that's an that's that's a whole nother conversation but but i think i mean to your point like there is there is something really cool i i love that there are different kinds of theaters i love that there are smaller like it's fun to go to like a, a little art house movie you know in a in a in a 20 to 30 seat you know smaller screen theater with reclining seats where you know there's 10 other people in there and all of you are <laughs> all of you are some some level of film buff because like you wouldn't be there unless you were you know and, and you can you can hear a quiet chuckle and you know that no one else in the world <laughs> like would, would care um so you know there's there's lots of you know but i also i mean there's very few things more fun than i mean i went to see um invisible man and in like a you know in the IMAX like screening with like a packed theater and it was such a blast I mean people were so responsive it was so cool um and there's nothing like that you know so so now that the world is kind of only for the moment and we're going to cross our fingers as you said <laughs> gone away from the theaters streaming and all the different platforms have really become kind of the front and center method of seeing things and oh yeah They've tried, and there's a few things out there in a few different ways. Like, you know, I have people that I know that are, they're Skype calling people and watching the same thing together, even though they're nowhere near each other, right? Because it's all about the social distancing. So they're watching the same thing at the same time together, 
yeah. but they they have a a, 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 a a app or a skype or a zoom or a whatever between them right yeah and then you have these other apps that are out there that are a little more wonky like Goomba extensions that you can actually watch netflix at the same time together watch the same thing or whatever it is but you're losing a piece of it do you feel that 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 social connection definitely is something that we're going to have to that you feel that i mean it sounds like you're hoping that we can we want to strive back to get there again once this is all done and that's yeah. will it kind of reverse do you think though do you think streaming will then become like this no we don't want to do that we want to be together kind of thing where it comes kind of becomes a pariah more so or do you feel that it would just kind of you hope go back to a normal kind of balance well i i think that might be that might be a little bit of a false dichotomy i don't think i don't think you can go back to quote unquote normal um after something like this i mean this is for instance i mean this uh, in a, in a in totally unrelated topic um well i should say totally unrelated sort of sector um if you look at just like like business, the way businesses are running, um, having even even businesses that haven't laid off their employees, but have sent all of them home because they can't, you know, bring them in anymore. And everyone's learning how to remote work. Like, that's something that that won't go away. You know, when when social, social distancing measures are lifted, um, a lot of those companies are going to say, hey, why are we spending all this money on office space when people were just as or more productive at home? And so there's going to be a lot of that stuff that, that lingers, I think, well, well beyond uh, um, the, uh, the actual clinical need for it. Um, and I think the same thing is true with like movie theaters and streaming. Um, I think that, you know, I, like my optimistically, I'm hoping for sort of a resurgence, a resurgence of enthusiasm for people to go out together and, and have that communal experience at theaters. But at the same time, like people's relationship with streaming is going to change too. People are going to discover things that they like a lot more. Things are going to th they're, they're going to discover ways to do streaming that are more satisfying and more enjoyable um, and more communal, perhaps. Like I, you know, does does um, co-streaming over Zoom or whatever you want to call it, like does that does that just disappear when when social distancing disappears? I don't think so. You know, when people learn a new activity, uh, it becomes part of the social consciousness. So I think um, it's you know our relationship to media is just going to change, and it's really really tough to predict exactly what will you know what will stay and what won't or you know what those changes will look like but it, it it's i think that looking at it from that perspective of like people are learning new behaviors around um old old behaviors um based on you know current circumstances uh it's very interesting to, to kind of watch how that pans out so yeah. so being in la you said that it was a it, essentially nobody nobody's filming right now right no yeah productions are shut down like across the world pretty much um a, a set a film set is a petri dish so you you, you really can't <laughs> anything if there's a if there's a, an epidemic yeah the the one thing i wanted to ask you about when you talk about that part of it that part of the business do you think like the independent film companies that are out there the smaller groups um do you think they're getting hit harder than some of the bigger ones that have a little bit more resource and capital oh. to stay afloat yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is that in a crisis, in any kind of economic crisis, the people who suffer the most are always the littler people. Like it's always the small, the smaller businesses, the poorer people, um, it, those people are always going to suffer the most. Um, and yeah, so a lot of, I mean, m many or most small, small businesses, including, and maybe even I would say, especially um, smaller uh, film production companies 
um, operate very much hand to mouth, which means that, you know, at any given, at any, any given moment of the year, they're, they're sort of barely getting by. They're, you know, hoping that their next project is enough of a hit so that they can survive long enough to try another project and so on. So if you, if you stall out, you know, um, a small business and say, well, you can't operate for two months, many of them will just die because they because they, there's no way uh, to, to continue surviving if you've been living hand to mouth. And so, um, yeah, I think a, a lot of that's going to happen, but you know, I mean, at the same time, you, you, you hope that when, when the fog lifts a little bit and people can get back to work that, um, you know, there'll be a lot of opportunity for new things to start, you know, and for people whose, whose production companies, um, died and vanished that they'll be able to start new production companies and they'll be able to, you know, there'll be, there, there'll be a wealth of new opportunity, but you know, it's hard to say. Um, but my wife is, is an actress and we, this is, this is kind of a dark joke, but we're, you know, kind of hoping that lots and lots of the <laughs> untalented young actors just decide that this isn't for them and go home <laughs> so that when, <laughs> so that when, when auditions can start happening again, there's less competition. Um, <laughs> well, and, and it's as dark as that is, I, it, I don't think it's too far from the yeah, truth. If you, <laughs> if you don't have the power, yeah, if you don't have the power or the knowledge or the ability, you know, and you're just scraping, the just scrapers are gone. I mean, that's, yeah, it sucks, yeah. but. You're, you're, you're going to get washed out. Yeah, there's oh, really, yeah. like, what can you do? Yeah, if you don't have a, that, that, that nest egg that they keep talking about that people have. Um, you know, the three nobody months or six egg. months or whatever. No, <laughs> yeah, nobody no, has a nest egg. It's a fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's definitely a pure fantasy. Uh, definitely a pure fantasy. So, so what happens in the film industry? Like, let's just say these companies had stuff they were supposed to be distributed out to theaters. What happened to all that? Does it get pushed out? Does it just stop or do they? Yeah. I mean, so it, anything that was going to be released, um, anything that was going to be released, uh, you know, while the theaters are closed is, is, is one of two things is going to happen. Either it gets pushed and any, any big movie, any like big budget film, um, they, they can't afford not to release it in the theater. Uh, there, there's, it becomes, it becomes a giant loss if, um, if you don't release it in the theater. Um, and so if, uh, but you have two options, you know, you, you can, you can, so you can postpone the release date, wait for the theaters to reopen, and then find a release date and put it and push it out on that release date. Um, and you know, the hope, hope that you can recoup, hope that the people are going back to the theater, hope that you can, you know, hope you know whatever. You just delayed it rather than uh, suffering a huge loss. Um, the other option is to say, uh, you know, we can't postpone it. We don't have room. There's, we don't have, you know, the the distributors, the the. Um, you know, the theater chains aren't willing to accept this movie later because their their schedules are full, which is going to be a real problem because it's not like you know there weren't other movies scheduled. <laughs> so um, there's a lot of you know a lot of stuff is just going to get straight up delayed, but then a lot of stuff is just going to get squeezed out because um, your you know your full your full screens like uh, a lot of movies that were the smaller movies that we're planning on seeing um, either limited or wide theatrical runs will not be able to get released, and so. In those cases, um, they'll try to find some other way of distribution. So they'll, you know, try to sell them to a streaming platform. They'll try to, um, you know, do a big marketing push around a, you know, day and date release for, uh, for on demand or something. But inevitably, in those cases, if you if you were planning on distributing a movie in theaters, especially if it was a wide release, um, you can count on losing a lot of money if you do try to do it a different way. 
um, because there's just no, you, you, can't, you can't compete with the kind of um, fast profit that you make or the fast recoup, I would even say. For, I mean, you know, most movies just break even if they're lucky. Um, and you depend on, you know, a lot of people showing up at the theaters over one or two or three weekends um, to, to, you know, get back the cost of your movie and the marketing and et cetera. Um, and so if you can't release in the theaters and you have to do it um, over on demand, I mean, think about it. If you release a movie on demand, um, whatever format that takes, suddenly you're not just competing with, you know, half a dozen other movies in the theaters at the biggest, at the biggest chains, you're competing with, you know, like well, half a million shows and, <laughs> and movies that people can watch um, on their couches. So, you, you know, you can't, it, it, it's, it's almost impossible to recoup at that point. You just, you, you hope that you can get a little bit of money um, and then you just have to kind of, you know, count as a loss and move on. Well, like the reason why I brought that up was because of the, for me anyways, it seemed like the biggest one that was going to come out in, during the summer this time was going to be Top Gun 2. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. well, there's, I mean, there's a lot of big movies. There's a lot of big movies that have been pushed to 2021. Um, a lot of them. Like, I mean, this is when I talk about the pain that I've been feeling over the theaters being closed. It's not just the theater experience, which I desperately love and miss, but it's also the movies. There were a lot of movies that I was really looking forward to in the next few months in this year. And, you know, it looks like many or most of them will not see theater distribution um, in this year. It'll be, it'll be next year. So can you give us an idea of some of those movies that you were, that you had on your schedule that this was like, you circled them. Like you knew, <laughs> what were those? Um, well, well, you've got, you've got Black Widow. <laughs> it's a big Marvel, you know, it was like the first big Marvel movie after um, Avengers 2. Um, you've got, uh, I mean, Top Gun 2 was one that I was definitely looking forward to. Um, I was really looking forward to uh, A Quiet Place 2, very much so. Um, that was, that was a, you know, real sad when that one was getting postponed. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, shoot, I don't even, honestly, I don't even remember the rest of them because there were so many. I, I, we, I went back and edited, like, so for Nerd Critic, we keep a list of, you know, the upcoming episodes we're going to be doing. We go to, we will go to look at IMDb's, um, you know, coming soon and we, you know, pick out like, all right, this weekend, which movie are we going to cover and so on and so forth. And we had it scheduled out for the next three or four months. And, um, you know, I, I went back a couple weeks ago and deleted everything. Um, wow. and just, and just um, we've been replacing it with TV and streaming, streaming content <laughs> that we, that we, uh, that we love and we want to catch up with and talk about. So, so that's what we've been doing with Nerd Critic. We, we've just been talking about movies you can stream and TV you can stream. Um, and it's been really fun and, um, you know, we're, we're excited to keep doing it, but we've, we've also gone down to one episode a week because there's just, you know, I mean, it's too, too sad to try to do more content than that right now. <laughs> so <laughs> the other oh. question, the, the other follow-up, sorry about that, Robert, the other follow-up would be like next year's awards, right? Award season. Like oh, yeah. what would be like, let's just say nothing's going to happen for the rest of the year. What would the movies in, be in contention? Oh man. I mean, well, I mean, you know, there there have been there have been some movies that that already came out this year, um, and so you know those. It, it's gonna. I, l let me just say this: it's gonna be weird. <laughs> things are things are just gonna be weird. Um, it's it's yeah. not gonna be. Think things are gonna be strange. Um, it's possible too that um, what we'll, what we'll see is primarily just like three three months of the year sort of excised. So looks like you know obviously all of 
March and April, May, maybe June, maybe July, hopefully not more than that, but like all God. those movies, all the movies, I, I know, um, but all the movies that we're going to be released during that time um, will get pushed or postponed or, or whatever. But then you'll still have, you know, January, February, January, February, a couple of movies in March, and then you'll have, um, you know, whenever movies start coming out again this year, because I don't think it's going to be the rest of the year. Um, so then it'll just be those movies. So Oscars, Oscars 2021 will be just have a, it'll have a thinner slate of movies to, to, you know, contend with. What that does mean, though, as well as the 2021 is going to be an insane movie year. <laughs> it's going nice. to be absolutely ridiculous. There's going to be so many movies um, that come out in 2021. I think it'll be a huge box office year. Um, or people have decided they don't want to go to the theater at all anymore and it'll be, and it'll be the end of the industry. But that doesn't seem likely to me. No, no, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I don't think it's going to happen. Hopefully it doesn't happen. Hopefully. <laughs> so, so let's, let's go the fun route because everything you've said so, so, so far is probably – and I'm going to guarantee it's probably true, and it's just all a little bit sad, um, but true. So you know, the truth hurts, but it's it's real, and that's that's what we're about here on on our on the two nerds. We 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 love to have our fun, but we have to keep it real with what's going on in the real world, right? What for you then now to kind of keep the movie love going, right? What are you what are you streaming for yourself? So yeah, you got your slate of stuff, and you can give us a preview of what you're going to just talk about in your show. Obviously, of course, we love that, but. For you that just like, okay, I want some mindless fun right now just to take my mind off the depression of no real movies for a while, if you will. What do you watch for you? Um, okay, well, um, let me, let me, I have to, so <laughs> uh, not to, not to, you know, part the curtain too much and reveal how the sausage gets made, but, uh, but you know, you did ask me. You did prepare me for this question, and and I didn't. I didn't tell you how I was going to answer. True. So I apologize. I apologize if this seems like sandbagging you. But um, but the truth the truth is that there isn't really a distinction between what we talk about a nerd critic and what I watch for fun. I I love I love movies. I love TV. Um, and what I watch, I watch because I love it. Um, I don't I don't usually. I mean, you know, the, ironically. Um, some of the dumb popcorn movies are the ones that I look forward to the least. Um, like I went to see Frozen 2 because we had a podcast about movies uh, and there was no way that I couldn't go see it to talk about it. Um, but I did not want to go see it. <laughs> and I was not looking forward to it. And, um, and so those are the movies that, I, that, I, that are eat, eat your vegetables for me. You know, the, the like giant sort of blockbusters that I don't think are going to be very good, um, but I have to go see anyway. Um, so, so lately what I've been watching for fun, um, and what I've been watching just in general, because I, because I love it is, um, I, have been watching, um, Better Call Saul on IMC, oh. um, which is amazing. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I haven't finished that. I started watching it. I got the first season under my belt. He's just starting to turn spoiler for those who haven't seen such a good show. I love, I just recently started rewatching Breaking Bad too. Oh, so Breaking Bad is just, so wonderful. Oh, it's it's good stuff. Okay, yeah. so you got so, thumbs up there. What else you got? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, first I should I should plug Nerd Critic at this point and say you know every week like so so since since uh, I'd say three four weeks ago every week we are um, giving a couple of recommendations for things you can stream on one of the major services like nice. Amazon Prime or Netflix or Hulu or HBO um, nice or Disney Plus and um, there's so 
money now. Um, and uh, and you can so so we're getting recommendations for things you can stream on one of those services, and then also we're we're then doing a little bit of a deep dive into the recommendations that, from the previous week. Um, so we've all already nice. covered like big heavy hitters like Stranger Things and The Office and um, Breaking Bad. Actually, we we did cover Breaking Bad, so you can kind of like look at our episodes and some of the show notes and see like what what some of the stuff we've covered. And we're also publishing articles on our website about you know recommendations for streaming. Um, nice. because there's so much there's so much good content my, what my favorite thing to say um this is another good preface for this this whole conversation is that um right now we live in we live in a golden era of media which means you can um if you if you limited yourself to only watching things that you would absolutely love that were like perfect for you and that were really high quality you would never run out of things to watch. Like, th so that's my, that's my like uh, big argument against settling for anything. <laughs> you should <laughs> never, you should never watch anything just because like you should go find the things that you're going to love the most because, because you will have a fantastic time and you will never run out of things that you absolutely love. You just have to, you have to just be a little intentional. You know, you have to like look for it and sort through it a little bit, find people you trust and get recommendations and, um, it's so worth it right now, though, because you you really you, you will never run out. There's so much good content out there. Well, the big thing, too, I think, is is you sometimes have to take a chance on things like The Office is a perfect example. Like my son has been recommending The Office to me for years. They've me, him and his sister have literally rewatched The Office maybe seven, eight times, like the whole way oh, through the whole so everything. <laughs> he just loves it. He just over and over. He has the he has the 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 little uh, award he has the Dwight Schrute shirt and tie he has the little bobble I mean seriously like weirdly so right That's and fantastic. it's like and I I couldn't I couldn't get myself to watch it and I was like yeah and I'm not gonna enjoy it I'm not gonna like it eh, I put it off I put it off I put it off and I was like all right quarantine I'm gonna try and take a chance on something let me see what the whole thing about the office is like. The kids went crazy when they found out I was watching and they're like, every episode is like, Oh my God. And Oh my, isn't that so good? And I was like, and it was worth it you know, for me. And it was really like, I fell in love with that. I fell in love with, you know, the whole relationship thing and, and the, the, the acting style and the kind of improvisational, but not improvisational style of the, the, the team, right. The, the, the troop, if you will, almost yeah. of their style. And it's, and that I think is a big thing right now is, as you said, it's the golden age and there's so many things out there you have to kind of look at the plethora of what's there streaming and say, I don't know if I would like that, but I should give it a shot because now is the time to do that kind of thing. Oh, you may learn something about yourself too, you know? Absolutely. I, I think it's it, my, my favorite strategy. And this is what I recommend to people um, who are overwhelmed by the prospect of trying to, you know, sift through all the people, all the things that people recommend or all the whatever um, is that, you you know take a tv show this is tv specifically movies movies are a kind of a different animal um you know it's a it's a 90 minute to two and a half hour commitment you, you know whatever um hard to turn off once you started um but with tv um it you know it's episodic and so if you if you start a show and you watch an episode and you really don't like it don't keep watching it <laughs> like people i think a lot of the time you know if people get a recommendation they think 
um, oh, like I have to, I have to watch this and, and they'll watch an episode and they're like, I wasn't really into it, but like I said, I'd watch it. And then they watch another episode and they're like, I don't really like it, but like, I'm, you know, and if you watch six episodes of something, you feel like you're committed and you have to finish it. And there's like 38 episodes of it. You, you know, you like, then you're wasting your time. You know, you're wasting your time. Don't watch it just to see how it ends. I actually have had friends and I've, I've done this myself a couple of times where I'll be watching a show and I'll recognize, um, uh, actually, I think, I think, I want to say it was The Killing. I don't know. Anyway, there was a show where I was watching and, um, and, and, and I, I had heard about a friend doing this. And so I decided to try it out, but I, I'd watched like three or four episodes of the show and it was like pretty good. But by the third or fourth episode, I, re I realized what the show was doing. It was, it was, it was, every episode was like this giant red herring for the plot. And then by the end, there'd be this huge effective cliffhanger that made you think, oh my gosh, in the next episode, you're going to get the answer, you know? And then the next episode would just be one more red herring. And so it was just like, I was like, I, I'm like, and once I saw the formula, I was just like annoyed. I felt like I was wasting my time, but I also was like desperate to find out what happened. So I went to Wikipedia to like break my addiction to the show. <laughs> so I like I read, I read the Wikipedia summary so I wouldn't have to go watch the show. And like, that was, I'm so glad I did that because I saved myself a lot of a lot of content binging that like would have been unsatisfying. Um, so I think you know the um, the the trick to to watching good TV is to not get caught up in TV that you don't love, um, and that also means that like if you're in the middle of a show that you're finding challenging to get through, like don't wait until you're finished with that show before you start another show. Just start another show. You know, what's it gonna do? Like, who's gonna care? Who's, no, there's, no, there's nobody who's gonna judge you. There's no jury like waiting to like pass a sentence. You know, you're, you, you can watch whatever you want, whenever you want. There's no, there's no ethical problem with like quitting a show mid season that you're not super into and like starting something else, you know? Like just wa watch whatever you want. And I, so I, I, I'm a big advocate of people being broadly sampling what's available you know like go go start everything see if you love it and and the thing is that once you start a show that is that is for you you know that's really your kind of show um you it, it's not hard to watch you know you're, you'll you'll make time to watch it <laughs> you'll, yeah. you'll find opportunities you'll carve out like you'll you'll force space open in your life to watch that show um and so you know wait till that happens like you know keep watching stuff keep trying stuff until that happens and then um you know you'll know that you're you know you're you're watching the right thing i yeah. I, I had that happen to me with 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 clone wars i oh. I, I can't <laughs> i can't i've tried i'm i'm and and thank you because the guilt was getting to me it really was <laughs> like i felt actual guilt over clone wars because like you have to watch it it's the that, that mystery period and there's good characters and there's plot and it's like but you know how it ends. I know what's going to happen. I know that there, there's no real drama here because I know exactly how it ends. I don't feel anything. <laughs> yeah, some of the side stories are okay, but I can't. I, I can't. And the guilt. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to let it go. Yeah, let it go. Don't I'm going to let it go, and, and, and I'm not going to feel guilt about it. I, yeah, I, absolutely. This is a great therapy. I really like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, glad, I, I'm so glad. I, I um I kind of felt that way that obligation of like watching a thing all the way through. I felt that way with uh, Marvel's entries into Netflix. Um, you know, a couple of them you had to you had to tell people, yeah, it doesn't get good till about the third or fourth episode, and you know you have to basically get through three or four episodes before it starts getting interesting. 
Yeah. And and like you said, like if you don't like something, you should just you should just stop unless like for some reason you like torturing yourself. Yeah. But I just did that recently with this show called uh, The New Pope. And like wow. everyone was telling me, oh, you got to see it. It's like the acting in it's so good and the, and the script and, and I'm watching and I'm like, yeah, I can't, I can't get into this. I really yeah. can't. That's, you know, that's, that, there's nothing, there's nothing to be ashamed of for that. I will say like, you know, um, sometimes, sometimes it's worth it to commit, but like, be careful, you know, like I, so I often will recommend, um, one, one of the shows we covered on our podcast was it's the end of the effing world on Netflix. Um, how was that? It, oh, I love it. I love it. It's like one of my favorite okay. shows. And, but it's, okay. it's, a, it's a show it, you know, it, like, so you can always, you can always find an exception to any, any rule. Right. So I'm saying like, watch a show. And if you don't like it after the first episode or two, just stop. But like, you know, sometimes, sometimes one of your favorite shows will be a show that you, you have, that you have to spend some time with before you really get into it. And, and a lot of my favorite shows that is, that is true for. So, you know, I'm not saying never do that, but like, you know, don't, don't spend, you know, you, you can, you can break that rule anytime you want to. It's just about like being kind to yourself essentially. So like, for instance, like uh, Parks and Recreation, um, the first season's not great. You know, like there's like six episodes or they're just not great, but like, it's such a wonderful show. Parks and Recreation. It's like a beloved and amazing comedy. It's so great because by the second season, like they hit their stride, they know what they're doing and it is absolutely wonderful. Um, Bojack Horseman didn't love it for the first like few episodes took me, I had to go back to it several times because people kept freaking recommending it and people I really respected, you know, I thought, okay, well, I, have to, I have to give the show another shot. I have to give it another shot. So I would go back. And after I, I, you know, at some point in the middle of the first season, I started to get it. And I was like, ah, I can, I, and I, I think I get it. And really what did it was like, my son was born. And when you have a newborn uh, and you're, you know, doing midnight feedings, like uh, TV binging is, becomes like a real part of your life. Um, so I, I started working my way through like several seasons of BoJack Horseman in the first few weeks of my son's life. Um, and that, you know, that really, that, like now, I mean, I love BoJack Horseman. I think it's an amazing show. But like, yeah, so sometimes, sometimes you, you, you know, but, you know, you, if, you, if, you need to, if you need to put more commitment and time and labor into a show to love it because of the people you love who are telling you need to see it, like, that's fine. You can do that. But like, don't, don't let that stop you from watching other things that you will more easily love. Um, and, and, I, and the end of the effing world, going back to that show, my recommendation for that show because it's so short it's you know episodes are like 20 25 minutes long um you know is to is to try to watch the first three episodes because by the end of the third episode you'll you'll really know what's going on you'll really know what the show is doing and and if you and if you aren't hooked by the end of the third episode then then you won't be ever and and so you can you can let it go but like that that show i have confidence that if people watched through the end of the third episode they'll they'll be desperate to keep watching and they'll finish and i haven't had anybody come back and and um, contradict that yet like that's been it's been a pretty good rule but yeah so there are exceptions all over the place but but the general idea is don't feel guilt you know walk away if you're not having fun and find stuff you really love because it's there and that's you know that's i think that's the the principle anyway so do you, so are you pro binge or do you do it in in like steps uh, both. <laughs> um, I am, we, we were actually, CJ, my, my nerd critic counterpart, um, said, uh, described me as a TV marathon runner. And I said, I, 
I actually think I'm more of a sprinter. Um, I will watch, um, but I think I am both because I will, there are some shows that I will binge like crazy. I will, I will burn through multiple seasons in the span of like a week. Um, and because I'm, I'm, I'm hooked and I'm like, just, I need, I like have to just see the next one, the next one. Like I want, I, it's like, I'm almost like, I don't want to do anything else. I just have to be watching that show. Um, and then, you know, it's like the fever breaks and I'll, <laughs> and I'll go, I'll, you know, and then I'll go for several weeks without watching a lot of TV, but I'm usually watching at least something sort of consistently. So like lately I'm watching, I'm watching new episodes of Better Call Saul as they come out every week. Um, my wife and I are slowly working our way through Fosse Burden. There's not a lot of episodes of that, but like, you know, it's, but we're watching it like one, one I'd say one every week or two, we're watching a new episode of Fosse Burden. And um, I, I started Debs on FX, um, FX on Hulu. And I don't know how I feel about that show yet. I like it enough to keep watching, um, but I may also just stop watching. I don't know, because it's not really grabbing me. Um, Anyway, so yeah, I would. I, I'm always. I'm always like watching something, but um, but there are like when I really love a show, I'll start to. I'll become like a sprinter. I'll just like. I'll just get through that thing. And I don't. I. I wouldn't say I recommend one or the other. I think really it's. It's like I said earlier. It's like it, whatever grabs you. Like what your behavior will be dictated by your level of passion for the show. <laughs> And then whatever, whatever you're doing, unless, you know, you're neglecting your kids or like losing your job over it, like, you know, just, you know, try to keep your responsibilities in line. But I don't, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any ethical problem with, with binging TV if you have the opportunity to. Wow. And as you said, it is the, it is the golden age uh, to, to watch things. And speaking of, we want it, we don't want to keep you forever, but God, we can go on forever with you because you have so much knowledge and just so, yeah, the time always goes so quick with you. Man. <laughs> Super fast. It's just because I, I talk a lot. <laughs> but you're so passionate and that's what we love about it. That's what really being a nerd is all about is being passionate about something, whatever it is. And it makes me want to go look at Netflix and just choose some new things to watch and just, test it all out just yeah, taste everything you know go for it yeah <laughs> um but definitely we really appreciate you coming back again and we we're going to do this more now if you have the time of course um you know it isn't all it isn't all bad out there folks as he's as as jordan said himself you know this is the golden age of film and there's so much content out there that you'll you'll definitely find it no matter what you know it holds in the future for people to get together and watch movies and and the end of all of this the dark times, um, and we can get back to real theater. We, we can only hope for the best in that, uh, and it comes back stronger than ever. Um, so we really appreciate having you again come on and talk with us. We love it. It's great stuff. Give us your plug for all of your cool things that you're working on, please. Oh, sure. I mean, as as ever, working on Nerd Critic. Um, yeah, it's, it's a it's a fun it's a fun show. Um, we're still doing it, even though we can't go to the movies in the theater. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can. <laughs> You can find that at nerdcriticpodcast.com or just nerdcritic two words wherever you listen to podcasts. Just look it up. You'll you'll see us. We're a, a black and green logo you can't miss. Um, uh, I also um, have recently started uh, working with a company called Lyceum, which is an educational audio platform. Um, and our first sort of the 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 app right now, as it exists in in um, Apple's App Store and Google Play, is. Uh, is an app that is focused on the curation of educational podcasts. So um, there are many really, really fantastic educational podcasts um, across a huge spectrum of educational material. 
Um, and the great thing about the app is that you can, uh, you can have discussions about the shows you're listening to right in the app itself, which is a really great feature. Um, and, and the curation is, is by hand. So we don't use algorithms to curate uh, and to create, curate the shows that are on, in our catalog or to create the collections of shows um, under the educational categories we've created. We do all that by hand. So there are, wow. there, are ex, there, there are subject experts who are going through these shows and deciding like which ones are sort of merit uh, the attention of our audiences. Um, and so it's a, it's a really cool space. Speaking of, you know, the golden age of content, podcasts are a re in a really interesting phase right now because, you know, there's a million of them, uh, literally. Um, and, uh, and, you know, you can kind of, you can get lost in like, well, what, you know, I like podcasts, but like, what should I even listen to? And so curation is going to be, uh, is, is, is continues to be a thing. Um, it's a, a sort of the problem that the industry is trying to solve. And, and our answer to that is like, well, let's just, let's just pick out the good ones. You know, we're going through a bunch of stuff and we're seeing like what, what the good, good educational podcasts are. And so Lyceum, Lyceum.fm, if you want to uh, check out the website, if you want to check out the app, just look for Lyceum. Um, you can listen to Nerd Critic on Lyceum. Uh, that's <laughs> total, total conflict, conflict of interest and I don't care. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and pretty soon we'll be offering audio courses, which will be another fun thing. But for now, it's just a really fantastic place to find educational podcasting content. So yeah, I, I'd encourage all of, uh, two nerds and a jokes listeners to check it out. Yes. All 12 of them go get educated. It's a great thing. <laughs> dozens, dozens, of fans. Right. dozens, dozens. Well, it sounds great. We, we, we are going to start. We, we obviously, we are avid fans of yours. We're avid fans of your, your nerd critic show. We, we listen to it whenever we want to know how to feel about a movie. We, we go and just tell us how yeah, to feel. You, and, we will, yeah, we will tell you how to feel. Yeah, you helped me out with Hobbs and Shaw. You definitely yeah. did. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Whenever I'm not sure about it, we listen to what you guys have to say and say, okay, is that, but you said, does it fit what I would like and go with that? It's a great choice. And I can't wait to see what you do with Lyceum. It sounds like a great uh, educational thing um, to, to kind of get involved in as well. But for us, if you follow us, we'll definitely post and, and retweet and repost anything that you guys send out for Lyceum or any of your stuff on our stuff for the next couple of weeks. Uh, well, just so you. everybody knows everything. Um, you can follow us, Two Nerds of Joke, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, The Good good uh tumblr of course now that's all clean up and, and purified and for strangely we love you pinterest uh huge fan base grow on that i don't know what that's about but i know pinterest huge fan base i don't know i love it great good for you guys ernie as always because film is forever give us a nice peace out peace out everybody thank you again jordan and we will talk to you guys next time and that's another episode of Two Nerds and a Joke. Follow Robert and Ernie on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to their YouTube channel.